Welcome to Keeping It Marian. I'm Father Thaddeus. And I'm Father Timothy. We are two Marian priests, and together we join Marian keeping the Word of God and the events of our daily lives, pondering them in our hearts. Today we are Keeping It Marian by discussing once again this podcast and our Marian charism, the Immaculate Conception, and where we're going to go from this episode onwards, which I'm excited to do with you, Father Tim. As am I. So... I've mentioned before in the introductory uh, episode, you know, we want to imitate Our Lady by keeping the word in her in our hearts, like she does in Luke chapter two, both the Nativity and finding Jesus in the temple. Uh, but December eighth, which we recently celebrated, is the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, and we weren't conceived immaculate like Mary. <laughs> Life would probably be a little bit easier for us if we had such a, a great privilege like she did. <laughs> But then that raises the question, at least for someone like me, so what does that mean for the rest of us? Uh, because if it's just a celebration about her, then I kind of have the feeling of like watching a TV show. You just kind of watch what other people do, and then you turn it off, and you kind of go back to regular life as if nothing changed. Right. Um, and I have here our Constitutions and Directory uh, recently republished because we changed one of the points about the, the white habit that mm -hmm. I get to wear. And the very beginning, so number two, showing the importance of this for Marians and what we want to share with you why we're making a whole podcast about keeping it Marian and sharing the riches of our charism, says in number two, the mystery of the Immaculate Conception of the Most Blessed Virgin Mary is the essence of the charism of the congregation and has been from the very beginning a particular sign, strength, and joy of the Marian vocation. From this mystery flow the identity and mission of the congregation. Now, if I were talking with my novices, I could go on about many different things that come from the life of our founder and why this is such an important mystery. But I want to summarize my reflection uh, as I talk with you today, Father Tim, in that all of us are called to be immaculate like Mary, uh, which seems like a a pretty big deal. I yes. Know. <laughs> yes. You know, the idea of being holy and being a saint seems big enough already. Well, you know, it's it's. It's good that you point that out because I, I recall to um, my first pastor, uh, uh, Pastor Bill, uh, or Father Bill, I should say, is uh, when I was coming into the church, I remember him describing, not necessarily to me, but the, to the parish at some sort of meeting. We were talking about the dogmas of Mary. And he pointed out that um, all of the dogmas of Mary aren't just about Mary. That they, yeah. in a right. real sense, pave the way for what's promised to us as well, you know. So we can talk about, you know, the dogma of her assumption. Right. Well, at the end of time, that is the promise that all of us, too, body and soul, will be assumed into heaven, you know. And so, as you point out, you know, that the immaculate conception is is while she was particularly conceived immaculate, you know, we, you know. Of course, the waters of, of baptism are given rebirth, mm -hmm. and the goal for that is that someday, somehow, through God's grace, you know, that we too will be made immaculate so that we can be with the Father in heaven, which, yeah. of course, everybody there is just that, immaculate. Right, which, you know, we ended the last episode, I shared my story about my Father's wish, you know, remember your mm -hmm. promise uh, to become a saint, and... The Father not only wants us just kind of a mediocre holiness, 
but an immaculate holiness, which you know, we could interpret, I know for myself, you can see it as kind of like this demanding father that you kind of take a few steps back from and you're like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> you know, just give me a break kind of thing. Uh, but what I want to emphasize and share uh, with all those listening is, you know, it's a joy, like in that, that paragraph, it's a joy and strength of our vocation because it's the image, an image of a father who's determined to make us whole, holy, and healthy. Yes. In English, uh, when I was writing the book, Shining in Spotless Splendor, that's now out, um, I talk about this aspect, and we're all called to be immaculate, and that in English, those three words have the same root of being whole or complete. Because sometimes I think as Catholics, we have like hagiographies, like holy writings. Yes. You know, of other people who looked at saints and often what happens, you know, what's most noticeable, like, oh, he levitated, you know, <laughs> or he did these amazing things. And we're like, oh, I, I couldn't do that. Or, sure. you know, you look at huge penances and you're kind of like, oh, I like food. <laughs> like we could never imitate that. And I, I think we have a bad image sometimes of holiness yeah. because those three words help me realize like to be holy means to be healed, to be whole, like a piece integrated. Uh, and like Our Lady to be immaculate. Like God has a passionate desire that we be truly whole as human beings, not just holy like floating in heaven. And I think Our Lady is a very good image of that. She's a mother. Sure. And yet virgin. You know, she's the one, as I mentioned, who hangs clothes, you know, has to cook meals, and yet is able to plumb the depths you know, of the riches of Christ. Yeah, very often, <clears throat> as you said, we... we so easily get the wrong notion of what sanctity and holiness looks like. Um, and more times than not, it's people that are the least likely to have been thought of. You know, the first person that came to mind was St. Therese. Right. You know, that at her passing, her sisters were, were no commenting, like, you know, who <laughs> no was comment this? Made. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, but then I immediately, as I was thinking about that, as you were speaking, I also think of, well, again, Our Lady. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are the the the... The people from the home of Jesus, you know, Mary say they're like, this is just Jesus, you know, the son of Mary and Joseph. They didn't realize, you know, the deep sanctity of both Mary and Joseph mm-hmm. um, because it's it's not it's not showy. That's like part right. of, right. you know, uh, and so it's so <clears throat> important for us to constantly, again, you know, meditate. Well, what is holiness? You know, it's way more than a holy card right you know and and we can have that kind of image uh, stuck in our heads and then we're we're mimicking after something that's right inauthentic you know or at least only a part a very small part at that of the whole uh you know package of of what it means to be holy yeah and that's part of the reason why i wanted to uh, kind of start the whole series of the podcast sharing our stories. You know, it's about how God has intervened in our lives and how we've kind of heard and seen his words both through the Bible but also in the events of our lives that led us here. But also, like you mentioned, our stories are pretty different. So, like, I come from a background where my dad, thanks be to God, was very protective of me. I couldn't watch PG-13 movies, you know, and so I was very sheltered. Uh, and that was part of the, my path, you know, to being here and my path to holiness. Then I meet you and you're basically like, yeah, man, I tried everything. <laughs> and yet, yep. you know, God has led you and yep. is leading you to ever greater holiness. And it's beautiful to see because sometimes we despair. We can look at saints and we're like, well, shoot, I didn't no. grow, you know, sinless from birth. So, well, that must not be my vocation. That's right. 
And that's why I love hearing your story because it's helpful even to me because I can live with the fear of like, well, I've got to be picture perfect. You know? Well, and, and that, you know, as you say that, the the door that was opened up for me when I was embracing this new walk with, with the Lord, at first there was no notion of me being holy. It was just simply, I'm going to follow Christ. Right. I'm going to be a dirty sinner, and I'm just going to do my best to, to, to fulfill his will. And then within like a month or so, the figure of St. Augustine comes upon, you know, my <laughs> yes. my purview. And I start, you know, I know of the, I mean, being from Florida, I knew of St. Augustine, Florida, but I never thought that it was named after a person. It's funny how you can just go your entire life and not realize these these very interesting and right-in-your-face things. But I Wikipedia'd him. Who's this St. Augustine guy? You know, because somebody gave me one of his holy cards. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading his life i was like i felt like i was reading my own autobiography you know i was like wait a minute hold the phone like this guy is holy you know like (laughs) again like completely shattering my concept of what that meant i thought the the train had already left on that option for me and now i'm seeing that that option is available for everybody yeah you know at any time doesn't matter what you've done you know is is that 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 is what the lord wants for each and every one of us amen which you know father calloway shares a story precisely for that reason because it shows like yeah no the train never has totally left in this yeah. life there's a, a quote i remember i think from blessed eugene of the child jesus he was a superior of the carmelite order i think in the 50s or died in the 50s and he said something close to what teresa of avila had mentioned mm-hmm. some of her writings that being a saint and a sinner are actually very similar, he said, mm-hmm. because, and, and the image I get when I read this quote is, both Mary mm-hmm. and the thief are next to Jesus at the cross. You know, James and John are like, hey, we want to be at your right and your left. Yeah. And the paradox is both the saint and the sinner arrive at the same place, next to Christ crucified. Right. And Blessed Eugene continues, they are similar to each other because both come to a place of having nothing at all but a blind and total trust in divine mercy. Yeah, And I thought that's amazingly profound <laughs> because we often think of like saints as having like the storehouse of virtue and storehouse of holiness. And his point is, no, no, no. The holier you are, the emptier you are. And God in his amazing providence uses even sin to empty us so that we have nothing to look to ourselves and go like, I merit holiness or I merit his love and go, yeah, I, I don't have anything to claim. I just have sheer hope in his mercy, which is all Our Lady has too. Uh, she has nothing of her own. It's all given to her as pure gift. Yeah, uh, And that's why holiness is really for all of us uh, as a gift that God gives. That's the core of our faith, that Jesus comes to us and loves us, and it's his love that makes us holy and makes us immaculate. You know, holiness is not something I achieve. It's what God doing in me, you know, Paul would call the... Uh, the early Christians, you know, holy ones, saints, not because of what they're doing, but because of baptism, because of what Christ has right. done. And, you know, you can read this more in my book. I don't want to belabor the point twice for those who might already have it or going through it. But, you know, purgatory is connected to our charism, not just because St. Stanislaus had visions of purgatory, which he had many mystical experiences, and perhaps one day we'll talk about those. But uh, purgatory is the Father's desire put into action that we be holy and immaculate. Basically saying like, yeah, heaven won't be heaven if you're still limping. Right. Heaven won't be heaven if you still have a wound that hurts. Heaven won't be heaven if the windows kind of of your soul that were shattered through sin aren't made whole again. And not just like patched together kind of thing. Because 
this is where I feel like we differ from our Protestant brothers and sisters is sometimes it's kind of like God's putting together a patchwork job, kind of like, you know, have faith in Christ, you're going to be saved, but like right. basically you're kind of messed up and you just got to put up with that. Yeah. And the Catholic version is God's a much better father than just basically saying like, yeah, just, you know, bear with yourself till death and you'll make it to heaven. Right. God's already at work now purging us of sin because purgatory is not just what happens after death. It's the Holy Spirit at work with a zeal and a determination to make us holy, whole, and healed. And God's saying, I didn't make you for sin. I didn't make you for pain. I didn't make you for tragedy. I made you to be my beloved child. I made you to be like Mary, to know in the core of your being, you are loved through and through. And to be so cleansed of sin that like her, there's not even a stain left. Yeah. That you're you're totally clean. And like that's too good news. That's that's my experience of it. It's kind of like, um, could I just limp? Because <laughs> you know, we get used to it. I get used to it. It's sure. kind of like justifying my sin, kind of like it's a little more comfortable just mm-hmm. kind of skating along. And God in his love is like, no, 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 I, I love you more than that. I don't want you just repaired and you know, not just even restored to what was. Uh, I want you with a glory that exceeds even what Adam and Eve had. And for most of us, we're kind of like, well, that's pretty generous. Like that, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, yeah. I think is the honest response of like, <clears throat> with that much love coming from God, we're kind of like, um, well, that's more than I know how to receive, really. Um, and I, I shared with you before we started a recording, <laughs> wearing the the white habit, and the guys here in the house on the talk of the oh, the sure. table because you know I wear a bib now <laughs> sometimes at dinner uh, because you know we had you made chili Saturday night yep. and. Uh, Guys are putting bets on when I'm going to get my first major stain on my habit. But it's actually kind of a good analogy because like, it does take a different way of walking through my day if I have white clothes on. Like when I wore black, it's kind of with impunity. You know, just kind of brush it off, rub (laughs) it in. Yeah. I'm like, meh, well, you know, whatever. Uh, Washing dishes, even in my black cassock, is like, well, that doesn't matter. Yeah. And now, you know, I'm taking a bit more caution. And I understand, I'll get stains on this, sure. but it is like a good lesson of, yeah, if I really am aiming to cooperate with God's desire that I be stainless, sinless, it takes like a little bit more caution. It takes a different approach to life. And it doesn't mean I don't live, I'm not happy. I talk with y'all and sit yeah. down and enjoy food. But it is kind of a good analogy of like, oh, it does take a different attitude of not just kind of nonchalantly like, yeah, if I screw up, you know, whatever, you know, it kind of doesn't matter. Like, no, sin really does matter. And something else in our constitutions and one of the other paragraphs mentions, like we should abhor sin, even the smallest. Yeah. And that's what I come to realize, kind of looking at the habit and trying to keep even the smallest stains is sometimes it's the small stains we notice the most. Uh, I remember some people gave me flack because I used to have just white shirts and I would uh, wear them and I would have balsamic vinegar on my salads. Mm. And so when I would put my fork in the, the lettuce, <laughs> of course it would splatter everywhere. People would be like, what is all the brown on your shirt? <laughs> all the balsamic vinegar that yeah. I had on my salads. And then to keep it uh, without wrinkle, it's something else that uh, Paul uses in image in Ephesians 5, that Christ died for the church to make her not only stainless, but without wrinkle. And uh, one of our brothers gave me a little steamer. So, you know, some nights I put this on a hanger and I'm steaming it. And I realize, again, like it does take effort on our yeah. part. Um, it's not terrible effort. Um, but it does require a conscious cooperation, which is, I think, what I want to get at. I know I'm talking a lot here, but uh, 
make a transition because this is what I want to share through this is how can we be immaculate too, yeah. like Mary and keeping it Marian is about, you know, we may not be conceived immaculate, but God has the same zeal for us to be holy and immaculate. And there's a line from the Psalms that I want to read. So this is Psalm 119 verse nine. How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? There's one of our keywords, keep. And in Hebrew, the word pure here can be sinless or immaculate. So we have two key words here, as it were, for us. I know uh, you've shared with me from Genesis how important the word keep is. I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that. Well, sure. I, I've <clears throat> always enjoyed reading all the scripture, but I, I always come back to the very beginning in the garden. Um, and the reason being is <clears throat> I've always been struck by that verse when Jesus is being asked about divorce, you know, and, and he says from in the beginning, it was not so, mm-hmm. you know, why has this law of divorce been given to you because of the hardness of your hearts, you know, and in so many places, he's like, I want to remove that hard heart and give you a fleshy heart. And he points back to the beginning, I believe not to say, I want to send you back to the beginning because in a sense, you can't go back. Yeah. As you already pointed out, there's it's not a, a going back to some perhaps childlike purity, but to go forward to a kind of cleanliness and sanctity that we've never imagined before. You know that that's you know the horizon that we look to uh, for His coming. But in the beginning, the very first job, if you will, of man was to till and keep the garden. And, and, you know, in other words, to guard and protect it, Mm -hmm. you know, not just making sure the vegetables are growing fine, (laughs) right? You know, that it was, it was more expansive than that. And of course we see the, the failure in doing so, Mm -hmm. you know, when the serpent comes, you know, to the woman, you know, uh, it, it, it seems to me the way I read it, that not only was he to guard and protect this real estate, so to speak, that was given to him. But the most precious part of that was this partner that's been given Mm -hmm. to him. Mm -hmm. You know, this woman that came from his side to be his helpmate, like that was the most important thing to guard and protect. And that even seems further enforced, this concept, when we know that after the expulsion from the garden, uh, we we hear the story of Cain and Abel, and we know what Cain does to Abel. And when God asks, "Where is Abel?" Yeah. His retort, Cain's retort, is, <laughs> "Am I my brother's keeper?" Right, right. And I'm like, uh, "Well, yeah, you know, it, it's 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 right there, you know." And there's this constant, you know, if we just that word keep, you know. Uh, is always this this uh, amazing symbol to me, mm-hmm. you know. That then when I say symbol, like clashing of symbols. Whenever I read the word "keep," whether it's in the the the, the words of saints or mm-hmm. or in the scriptures, there's this little clash, like "ting," you know. And I'm like, there it is again. Keep, keep, protect. Um, and I guess perhaps you know, like for me, my experience of of being a man. Mm-hmm ever since a young age, like that's what I wanted to do is to protect my friends, 
protect those whom I loved. You know, when I had girlfriends, I wanted to protect my mm-hmm. girlfriend. You know, when I had best friends and they were in trouble, I wanted to protect my friends. Like, that's yeah. just in me. Yeah. And I don't believe that it's just me that is experiencing that uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Everybody at their core, I believe, wants to protect what's precious to them. Yeah. Because I would argue that's what's been placed in every human heart uh, by God. Mm-hmm. To, to acknowledge those things that are good, true, and beautiful, and to protect them. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree with you, and that's why I think it's not just a command for Adam and Eve. It is a command, as it were, for all of us. Yeah. All of us are entrusted, maybe not with the Garden of Eden, uh, but with our homes, with our families, us here with our community, and it's a fundamental task for all of us to guard and to keep, especially in a world that there's a lot of dangers. That's know? right. And, you know, we were talking before we pressed play that, you know, it's not the exact same word, uh, keep in the garden as compared to what in the Greek in the New Testament, uh, Mary keeping these things in her mind and heart, because it's more an internal activity for right. Our Lady in terms of keeping these things, kind of chewing on them, uh, kind of moving them over in her mind and seeing different aspects of what's gone on and what the archangel promised her. But I think the two are complementary because you know, Jesus uses the image of Satan, basically, like the thief who wants to come in and, and rob what's in the home, uh, which is very similar to the garden. You know, many people think like the first problem was Eve eating the, the, sure. the fruit. Uh, when in reality, my first question is, well, if Adam's supposed to keep the garden. Right. Like, how did the snake get in? You know, as Scott sure. Hahn points out, Nahash in Hebrew isn't like this little coral snake. Sure. It's like a dragon, basically. Right. So, I mean, you can't can't not notice like smog sure. you know, like flying into the garden and breathing fire everywhere. So like yeah. the first question, like what on earth was Adam not doing that right. he clearly didn't notice smog flying in, yeah. you know, and then like talking to his wife, you know. Uh, and that's really the first failure is he, he failed to keep and protect. And I remember, I, I can't remember if it was Dr. Bergsma, you know, or surrounded by biblical scholars here that, uh, those also those Hebrew words apply to the ministry of priests in the temple. They are mm. to guard and serve God in the temple. And in fact, the whole story of the Exodus is because God's saying, like, you shouldn't serve Pharaoh, you should serve me, which is why Exodus ends not with them entering the promised land, but with the construction of the tabernacle so they can serve God rather than Pharaoh. Uh, because God's trying to realign them like Adam failed. He didn't guard, he didn't keep, he didn't till. He didn't perform his priestly service in the garden. So the Hebrews fell into what seems like idolatry in Egypt. So God's rescuing them to set them straight again. Like, okay, let's kind of get this right about the keeping and guarding and tilling thing. (laughs) Um, And Our Lady, you know, even if it's more internal, you know, than this like physical protection, nonetheless, I think it's a good image. Like we have a thousand distractions in our lives. We have so many things that happen. If we think about the amount of words that just go through our mind, uh, it is a real task to protect, to keep, to guard God's word in our minds and our hearts throughout the day. Yeah. Something that uh, Father Cincini, he's a Italian formator, I often use him for formation stuff with our men. He comments in one of his books on the word of God that it's helpful sometimes even getting post-it notes. Basically, at the beginning of the day, you have your time of meditation, Lexio Divina on the word of God. And then if there's like a line or a few words that stick out to literally write it down, which I've done before, yeah. because then throughout the day, it forms like, like a thread through a quilt, you know, around which I can start constructing my day. Because otherwise, what, what do I construct my day around? My worries, anxieties, 
problems, especially, you know, Pope Francis gave a good homily about, you know, too often the center of our lives is, is the tomb still. Sure. Is the stone, you know, and his point is that the stone got rolled away. Like the center of our lives should no longer be death, yeah. sin, worry. It should be Christ risen from the dead. But that requires a conscious shift to keep even just our minds focused on that because so often, where's my interior focus? Right on so many other things, which is understandable. And even things that need to be done throughout the day. You yeah. know, if you've got to go to work, you know, it's like you got to have your focus on on the work. But there's a distinction between doing that with God and, well, without God. Yeah. You know, and, and that could be something that takes practice, you know, to invite him into all areas of one's life. <laughs> um, but to realize that, that that's, you know, as any good father, he's like, no, don't do this for me. Like, like do it with me. Right. You know, so and that's what Our Lady did. You know, she's like, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, like she is this this person who wants to cooperate fully, you know, with with God the Father. Yeah. No, and that's key what you said with, you know, the Lord, because obviously she had the privilege of being literally with God yes. himself in the that's right. in her home. Um, and Pope Benedict makes a beautiful line about Our Lady. She was very much at home with the Word of God. Such that when she speaks that Magnificat, you know, some commentators say, well, likely Our Lady didn't say the Magnificat Mm because it's clearly, you know, all sorts of threads from the Old Testament that are put together by someone else. And Pope Benedict basically says, well, there's another option, which is that Mary was so at home with the Word of God. She had so often kept these things in her mind and her heart that the Word of God just flowed out of her. It wasn't like she was trying to compose something mentally and, you know, memorize lines. It was... She lived and kept this word in her mind so much that, of course, it just showed up in her daily speech, yeah. uh, naturally speaking, without effort, really. And I, I like that option a lot more rather sure. than you know, this idea that somehow well, someone else must have said this. Well, and it's not so far-fetched. I mean, in our current culture, we quote movies and music yeah. and, and that type of thing, and people just know exactly you know, what you're talking about. Um, well, for the ancient Jewish people, you know— their life was yeah. the words of God, and they spoke about these things regularly. Right? They didn't have TikTok. They didn't have Twitter. <laughs> they didn't have the internet. They didn't yeah. have football games on Sunday to watch. They didn't. You know, it's not to say that they didn't have you know recreational things. They didn't talk about other things. But it's hard for us to conceive of a people who lived and breathed yeah. the word of God. In, in many different facets. And probably that doesn't mean that they were all walking literally mm-hmm. with God the Father. They might have been doing it just out of kind of roteness. Yeah. You know, we're checking their boxes. Yeah. Just like that can be a trap, you know, for us and mm-hmm. our faith is that, well, we, we just do this because this is what we do. Um, but it's, it is frustrating when people are like, oh, they didn't know these things. Right. Or these things weren't, weren't common knowledge. And it's like, that's. That doesn't that doesn't bespeak my experience of my own oh, lived, right. you know, and and now being in religious life for ten years, like we do, we we quote scripture and we quote you know things that Jesus says sometimes, in and humor, you know, like well Jesus says you right. know, and, and of course we're just doing it to to rib our brothers and everything, but we live and breathe this so often right. now it's a, it's incorporated into our life. It's just as on the tip of our tongue as well famous movie quotes, yeah. You know, and so I think that it's easy for us to, to not think of, you know, just how much the the ancient Jewish people and, and, and quite possibly I don't really have any friends that uh, close friends that are, that are, you know, 
Orthodox Jews or anything like that. Um, but I would assume that they too, to this day, just like you know, Catholics who are serious about their faith, that they do continuously ponder the words oh, of yeah. God. So yes, this this notion that you know, Our Lady, you know, that that seems implausible. Yeah, that that she echoed those words is yeah. Yeah, no, they're in many Jewish synagogues, they have tabernacles, is where we get our idea of tabernacles, but instead of the Eucharist, uh, they have the Torah. They put the Word of God, because that to them is His presence, the way that He communicates with yeah. them. And that's where we get our liturgy of the Word, because it didn't come out of nowhere. It's part of the synagogue service, but then it's complemented because that Word that they read they actually became flesh, and that becomes flesh in the Eucharist that we receive, which is why... Ultimately, this keeping it Mary, like where do we live this? In the Eucharist, because where do we hear? Where are we to keep? Where to keep the word we hear at least on Sundays throughout the week as kind of the guiding star, as it were, for our actions. So often we can feel confused about what God's doing, but that's often because we don't understand his word. We've forgotten his word. You know, yeah. his word explains what's going on. And to kind of bring this home is, you know, with this line, how can a young man or woman Keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word. You know, there's guard, there's keep, there's word. Now, how can we be immaculate? Keeping God's word. And this is a very simple activity. Again, sometimes it's like, oh boy, being immaculate, like yeah. that's going to require all sorts of strange things. No, it's simply paying attention to God's word, keeping it. And a very practical thing I would challenge those who listen is, if you don't do this already, spend 15 minutes in the morning reading the Mass readings with what's called Lexio Divina. Sure. And if you don't know how to practice that uh, on Formed, which is a platform many people have through their parish, there's a good series that explains very well what Lexio Divina is. And if you don't have access to that, just look it up. You'll, That's right. you'll find many resources. Um, but Pope Benedict says that Our Lady is the example Lexio Divina. She's the one who shows us by keeping these things in her heart. And that's how she remains immaculate, because we know Adam and Eve were immaculate by creation, but they didn't keep God's word. They disobeyed and they fell into sin. Our Lady receives God's word and kept it and fulfilled it in her obedience, um, which is the example of immaculacy for us as well. And there's another line from Ephesians, you know, in addition to where Paul in the very beginning says we're destined to be holy and blameless, immaculate from all eternity. So it's not my idea. The word of God says we're supposed to be <laughs> holy and immaculate. But when Paul talks about Christ dying for the church, he actually uses this phrase as well. It says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And in the Last Supper in John 15, Jesus speaks about the pruning of the vine and the branches. And he says, you know, you are made pure because of the word that I have spoken to you. I bring this up because, again, it's not about me accomplishing it primarily. I need to cooperate. Yeah. But above all, it's the, his word has the power to purify me. What he speaks makes me clean, cleanses me from my sin, and gives me the power to then obey it and walk immaculate. Like God told Abraham, walk in my sight pure and blameless, which, again, the word is immaculate in Hebrew is another yeah. way to translate. Like God's telling Abraham from the very beginning, Walk immaculate in my sight, uh, which you know, if God asks Abraham that, you know, how much more all of us with the sacraments. So my point is to drive home like the mystery of the Immaculate Conception is a mystery that's happening to us too. We weren't conceived immaculate, 
But this zeal, this desire of God for us to be pure and immaculate like Mary, to be completely holy and healed, is what he desires too. And how does that happen? Through a daily prayer life, through basic things like reading the Bible, meditating on it 15 minutes, using a post-it note, memorizing a line, because uh, it can be very helpful in temptation sure. to have some kind of shield, you know, that to guard his word, because there's going to be a many distractions to lead us astray. Even um, you know, praying the rosary, mm-hmm. you know, is something yeah. that we continue to forget about. And I know that sometimes sitting down for 20 to 30 minutes um, can be difficult. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, back in the day when I was very busy, uh, but I wanted to pray the rosary, I would just pray a decade at a time. Yeah. I would try to get all yeah. five done in a given day. But in a certain way, that was very fruitful because mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, I'm going to do this 10 decades mm-hmm. or 10, 10 Hail, you know, <laughs> this one decade, yeah. sorry. Um, and I'm going to meditate on these 10 Hail Marys, this particular mystery, mm-hmm. which of course is based completely 100% on scripture. the scriptures, yep. on the word of God. And so allowing that kind of meditative practice, mm-hmm. you know, with our lady, like holding our hand through mm-hmm. that process uh, could be terribly fruitful and something that, you know, is is we have to protect that practice. Mm-hmm. We have to guard and keep that, and and it's so easy to neglect yeah. this this rich tradition of praying the rosary. Uh, but that's a phenomenal way. To, I agree to, to meditate on the word and keep it. Yes, and that can be a form of lexio divina. You know, Saint John Paul II even recommended reading some scripture before the mm-hmm. the mysteries, precisely to connect the two. Yeah. And I remember, my dad would never let me leave home without the rosary in my pocket. Mm. Uh, as a concrete way of driving that home of I should have Our Lady near yeah. and to have that meditative aspect of life also close at hand. So to end this very practically then in the next episode, we're actually going to hit the road as it were. We're going to actually start the main meat and potatoes of the podcast, which is we're going to go to the letter of Jude uh, because our goal with this is we're going to go through the different books of the Bible. Sometimes we're probably going to pick things that are more unknown, you know, things sure. that you're not going to read a ton of in the church that you already hear homilies about. Um, but if keeping the word is the path to being immaculate like Our Lady, then, well, let's hit the word. Let's, you know, read the word, understand the word. And then between the two of us also talk about the words of God and daily events, what's going on in our lives, in the world, uh, to try to have that kind of contrast of, well, this is what he says. This is what's going on. And how do we live this word? How do we actually keep it uh, in this world? in our concrete lives. So I admit I'm a little biased. I'm choosing <laughs> Jude, my patron, uh, Jude Thaddeus and his letter, but it's short, sweet, and I think it's a good sure. way to start. That's uh, right. Because eventually I think we want to get to Revelation, which is a bit longer. And as you said, it is it is one of the probably lesser read books, yeah. but there's such good stuff in there. Um, and yeah. yeah, I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to it. So I'm very much looking forward to it as well. So I, as always, greatly enjoy talking with you and Hopefully, y'all have been able to enjoy our banter back and forth as well. Thank you for joining us today as we keep it Marian by keeping the word of God and the events in our daily lives, pondering them in our hearts. I'm Father Thaddeus. And I'm Father Timothy. Pray for us as we pray for you. Immaculata Virginis Maria Conceptio. Sit nobis salus et protection.
Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to watch it as well. You can find the video version of Keeping It Marian exclusively on DivineMercyPlus.org, the streaming site for all things Marian. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Visit shopmercy.org to order your copy of my new book, Shining in Spotless Splendor, Consecration to the Immaculate Conception. Again, this book is available on shopmercy.org. God bless you.